All right, we appreciate the Sullivans and that testimony. Uh, I was very excited to have them uh, agree to step forward and, and tell us uh, about their trip and their ministry there. Uh, what a great testimony about, uh, you know, a small step of, of the Great Commission. And so that was very exciting to, to hear from me this morning. Uh, so we're going to continue in Romans chapter 8. We're going to talk about verses 12 through 17, just that small little block of verses. Um, and, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I really struggled with the, the language this, this week. I, the doctrine I understand and, and I, I didn't have a problem with, but I don't know, just the way things were worded. Um, I don't know if you ever have that issue, but... Uh, you kind of know what you know, but as I read it, I just seemed to confuse myself more and more. Uh, I got back in the truck this morning, and I put on David Guzik on the way in, and the first thing he said about this section was, it's all about life in the Spirit. And I thought, that's it. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's, that's all it's talking about. So these verses here, uh, if you struggle, two things you can do is, one, realize that he's just talking about life in the Spirit. Um, uh, the Spirit of God indwelling the believer and, and life from that. And then the other thing you can do is the old trick. It begins with another therefore. I, I just kept going back and, and looking at context and context and context. And the further back I went, uh, the more sense it made to me. So if we look at the definition of uh, religion, if we looked that up, we'd find a few different versions of roughly the same idea. Uh, most of these definitions will mention a system of beliefs or ideas, uh, driven or personal, uh, or state-driven or personal. Uh, most of them will include a holy book of some sort or a, a system of beliefs. Um, most of them will include some type of a supreme leader uh, or some, somebody who allegiance is owed to or some obedience. Others, like uh, Catholicism, uh, might use Scripture, but they'll have a hierarchy that supersedes Scripture or church writings or traditions. And, and be careful because Baptists are not entirely immune to this either. Uh, there's problems sometimes with church traditions. Ignorance of doctrine can creep in and destroy congregations uh, or even families. So what is to protect us? When we start looking at this idea of religion and, and we start looking at Romans chapter 8, what protects us and separates us from those fallacies as individuals? And what does the Bible have to say? And more, and more to the point, what does the book of Romans have to say about this? Hopefully we're going to discover in the, the coming weeks more, and, and I know you've heard the truth, but Christianity, not Baptist, not Catholic, not Methodist, not any other denomination, but Christianity is not about religion. It's about a relationship. I know we say that over and over and over again, but that is so true. And that's what Paul is spelling out here in Romans chapter 8. That's what he, he began spelling out in Romans chapter 7. When he kept saying, you know, I try to do the right thing and I fail, and yet I'm, I'm still loved. Oh, wretched man that I am, who, who's going to deliver me? The Lord Jesus Christ. It's the right relationship. If it were religion, if it were religion, his failure would not be good enough. There would be penance. There would be some something he had to do 
to achieve. And yet it's not about that. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So over the coming weeks, Paul's going to introduce these ideas of things like adoption. We're going to talk about that today. Inheritance, eternal security, prayer involving the whole trinity, uh, the glorification of saints, and predestination. We're going to get to talk about predestination. Not today, uh, but we're going to talk about predestination and free will choice. That's, that's what's coming up, and, and, all, and that's just chapter 8. Uh, that's just all within chapter 8, what we got left, the, the second half of chapter 8, if you will. So there's a lot packed into this chapter. There's a lot packed into this book uh, going forward. But uh, I'm excited about getting to these topics and, and covering them. We're going to consider these. But all of these are going to be considered, and here's the biggest help for you. So if you don't, you don't take anything else home today, take this one home. Everything that we're going to consider in Romans chapter 8 is going to be in the light of our relationship to God. Not in, not in the light of a religion, not in the light of a, a necessarily a doctrine, but in, in the light of our relationship to God. Because you know what? Our doctrine comes from our relationship with God. I know it comes from the Word of God, but it's done through the relationship of God. So let's jump right in. Let's look at these verses. For sake of time, we won't go back and read. Well, no, we will. Let's, let's read from verse 1 all the way down through verse 17. I'm going to read it out of the New King James. Uh, so if you have a different version, just be aware of that. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On, his own, uh, on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor and indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, the verses for this week, our topic, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit 
that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So just a few verses, but there's a lot packed in there when you start taking it out and unpacking it. First of all, verses 12 through 14, believers are not enslaved to the flesh. I don't seem like we shouldn't have to say that, but Paul points it out. And he says we are, we are not debtors to the flesh. Uh, to, and that seems so obvious, and maybe it's because I've been saved a really long time. Uh, I, I was saved when I was four years old, so next year, uh, well, no, last year, that was 50 years. I'm an old dude. Uh, I'm still going, though. Uh, and, and I don't just seem second nature, but yet Paul points us out that we are, not, we are not debtors to the flesh. And when you pause and think about that, those who are out of, outside of Christ, those who are not believers, they are debtors to the flesh. Why? They have nothing else. Uh, this life is it. This is as good as it's going to get for the unbeliever. I don't care what state they're in, how bad their life is, how good their life is, this is as good as it's ever going to get outside of Christ. Do you consider that? That, that? That's an awful truth when you stop and think about it. And, and on the flip side of that, as a believer, I don't care how bad your life may be here. Paul's going to talk about, he's going to address this next week when he talks about suffering, but it's not even comparable with what's ahead. If you're inside Christ. So we're not debtors to the flesh. But we are debtors. And we're debtors to the Lord Jesus Christ. We owe a debt that we cannot pay. You know I, I talked about the, the, the Mayos. And um, well Lisa told me. Elliot. They brought, they brought Elliot. Y'all seen pictures of Elliot? Anybody yet? Cute little fella isn't he? They're somewhat proud of him. <laughs> He's got little little black hair. And he got that little smile. But y'all yeah, found something out about him this week. That I, I didn't care for. <laughs> you know, since he's been home, he's not done one thing to contribute. <laughs> he's not offered to mow the grass. He's not helped clean up his room. He's, he's contributed nothing. And you know, that's the truth. He's a debtor to Lindsay and Julie. He, he's got nothing to bring. He's got nothing to offer. Now, they're happy to have him. And they're excited to have him. But he's got nothing tangible to bring. And that's kind of our relationship. We got nothing to offer Christ. We're, we're about as helpless as, as Elliot. You know, we, we can sit around and mess ourselves, and that's about it. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit just got to keep cleaning us up. Uh, but we're debtors. See, because we, we can't, we don't have anything. We have no ability to bring anything. We have no righteousness of ourselves. And I think that, that that's a good illustration there for what Paul is saying. We're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but we are debtors. We are debtors to Christ and to, to God. Those who are enslaved to the flesh, he says, will die. And again, I struggle with that a little bit because everybody dies. I know, and I didn't want to just excuse it and say he's talking about spiritual death, but I believe what Paul's doing is he's pointing all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, where God gives his first commandment. He takes Adam in the garden. He shows him uh, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he says, if you eat of this tree, Adam, 
If you eat of this tree, you can have any other tree in the garden, but if you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. I think Paul's pointing back to that, and he's saying that, that very real truth here. You know, in, in, in the original creation, there was no death. There was no sickness. Everything was perfect until sin entered in. All this trouble that we're having is a result of sin, whether it be directly or indirectly. And Paul is pointing back to this when he says here, there were debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you live outside of the Spirit of Christ, if you have not accepted Christ, you are doomed. You have spiritual death. And I understand that these, these uh, mortal bodies are going to die. But even in that, he talks about how the Holy Spirit will quicken your mortal bodies. That word quicken in the old King James means to bring to life. Yeah, do you ever uh, uh, pull a fingernail back too far? And, and, they, and they call that what? All the way to the quick is what they used to tell me that way. And man, as soon as I did that, I knew it was alive. It came to life and so did I. And he talks about he'll quicken your more he'll bring to life these mortal bodies in the resurrection. And we'll, we'll receive new bodies. So uh, life is found through the Spirit. And the leading of the Spirit identifies as the children of God. The leading of the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, identifies us as His children. That's how we're known. Uh, because we are led by the Spirit. You say, well, Brother Chris, I, I don't think I'm led very well by the Spirit. You may not be. But it's not the Spirit that's not leading. It's you that's not following. And I can say that with surety because I are guilty from time to time. Uh, that there are times when the Spirit is leading, but I'm that lost sheep that doesn't want to follow. But yet the leading was still there. That there, there is a, uh, that there's a desire for people to go to Washington, D.C., and chase down joggers who are minding their own business <laughs> and try to give them the word of God. Uh, there, there's, a le there's a leading for you to keep coming back to this room and listen to some guy who's about half educated talk about the same book that you've heard over and over again. Anybody else studied the Romans before they came here to this class? Yeah, you probably have, probably each and every one of us. And yet there's a drawing, there's a leading to what, come get a little more. I want to I know a little more. I want to find something else out. This, I, I, I want to be renewed in the Word of God. That's a leading of the Spirit. That identifies you as a child of God. And other things that the Spirit does. His teaching, His comforting, His convicting. His, his, all, all his discipline, all these things that the Holy Spirit does... If you have that, that's a mark of the Christian. That doesn't happen for the unbeliever. The only leading of the un, uh, that the unbeliever has is that first call to salvation. That's it. And if they refuse that, then they don't, they don't have anything else from the Spirit of God. So Paul says this identifies us as the children of God. Now let's look at verse 15. Verse 15, he talks about the opposing spirits. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So what does he mean by that? The spirit of bondage again to fear. Well, he's talking about the unbeliever. What hope does the unbeliever have? And, and, and I'll get just very literal with this. 
In my line of work, I've watched a lot of people die. I mean a lot of people. And, and many of them were conscious when it happened. And they faded out. And, and, and folks, I can tell you without, without question, there's a difference between the believer and the unbeliever when they leave this world. A spirit of bondage and fear. I went into uh, Bible college. I had to work, and I worked two jobs. And one of my jobs was to take care of an elderly couple uh, named Uncle Alvin and Aunt Jessie. And I took care of them at night. I lived in their home, and uh, Uncle Alvin would wake up in the middle of the night, and he used to drive a fuel truck. And he, he was losing himself a little bit mentally, and he would dream that he was still working. And he'd, he'd wake up in the middle of the night, and he'd take his pocket knife and bang on the Young man, young man, I come in there and he, he'd be worried because the trucks wasn't going out to deliver the fuel. And man, I struggled with it. And then finally one night I, I, I determined I was just going to play the game. So I left the room for a minute. I came back in, said, Uncle Alvin, I sent the trucks out. They're delivering the fuel. <laughs> Wonderful. He went back to bed and went to sleep. <laughs> from then on, I ran the fuel plant. But most of the time, and especially when he was awake, he was very lucid, and he loved the Lord Jesus. He would talk about the Lord Jesus all the time. When he wasn't talking about Aunt Jesse, he'd talk about the Lord Jesus. And the night he died, he knew he was about to die. He knew it. And he could not sleep. He was up in his chair. And my, my buddy Joe Lambert was over. We were studying for finals. And, and he kept saying, go get, go get Jesse, go get Jesse. And I said, I can't. I've already given her sleeping pills. She's out. She, she just can't. And when he died, and I get chills every time I tell this story. And he, oh, I forgot to tell, he was blind as a bat. He lived in that house his whole life, his whole adult life. And when he went to the bathroom, he grabbed my arms and I'd, I'd shuffle and I'd leave. And he was old enough to plow with a mule. So I'd say, gee now, gee, ha. <laughs> That's plowing commands for a mule. G is right, ha is left for you city folk. <laughs> and he would laugh and chuckle at that. But he was, he was that blind. It was a tiny house. But he had to be led around. But the night he died, just before he passed, that, that blind man looked straight up and opened his arms. Mm -hmm. And a huge smile came across his face. And he fell dead. And I looked at Joe, and he looked at me, and we were just, we were just blown away. There was somebody else in that room, folks. Hey, Y'all know me. I'm a pretty practical guy. I'm not a real mystical person. Folks, there was somebody else in there. That's the difference. And I've watched others die in screams and torment and fear. There is a debt that has to be played. There, there is a spirit of bondage and a spirit of fear that, is, that belongs to the unbeliever. And these are the two opposing sides in verse 15. He says, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Uh, and I, I was going to take the, the time to read it. Uh, Dr. Phillips gives us a lot of help. There's a whole paragraph here on the Abba, Father. But I'll just read briefly. It is a relationship Intelligent realized by one who utters it, a word of filial confidence, communion, and obedience, answering to expressing the enjoyment and com uh, complacent love. Abba, Father, it's just a, it's a family term. Um, those adopted as sons into the family of God are not only led by the Spirit, they are loved by the Father. 
For you not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And he talks about it, it's a term of unreasoning trust. One who just, just trusts. And, and when I, I could not help but when I think about this, or read this and studied this, you know, I can try to say it as many ways as I want to. Only, only the sons and daughters can use that term. The slaves were forbidden to use Abba, Father. Only the children. But I couldn't help but think about Tegan. Y'all seen little Tegan coming here, right? Has she ever felt, has she ever looked like she didn't feel like she belonged with this family? No, she just, she just right in there. She, she's a part of it. And it says that we're, we're not just a part of the family, but we're heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Christ. Think about what that means. So, so if, if God the Father were to write out a will, and I know that's a facetious example, but if he were to write out a will, he would write down his son Christ, and guess whose name would be right beside it? Ours. That's right. Just, just as Tegan walks in, just as much a part as Noah. She's a part of that family. Why? Because of adoption. Not born into it, but received and adopted. And folks, that's us as believers. It's that real and that true. So we didn't, we, we, through that, we didn't receive again the spirit of fear that we had that brought death, but we have the spirit that allows us to say, not just God, but Father, Abba, Daddy, and cry out, and He will hear and He will listen. You know, it's always amazed me. Have you ever been around a group of moms? And they're, and they're having about 10 conversations all at once. I don't know how that works, but females can do that somehow or another. And they all can all talk and all listen at the same time. And, and there's, there's a group of kids over there playing that's attached to them. I mean, they're, they're over there doing their thing. But the moment one of those kids cries out, they fall off the swing or whatever, and they start crying, not every mama, but the mama of that kid knows the cry and turns. And it's that, and it's that kid and that mama. How does that happen? The relationship. This, this, that's Abba Father. It, it's, that, it's that privilege to be the one to cry out. And he knows, oh, that's Chris. <laughs> I know that idiot. I mean that son. <laughs> And my guardian angel's up there in the break room smoking and <laughs> he's stressing me out. I need a new assignment. <laughs> but God, God knows that cry. Why? Because of relationship. Abba, Father. See? And, and we have that privilege through the adoption. And, and this is what it's all about. This is the relationship that Paul is talking about. Verse 16. Then the Spirit himself. I love how that's worded. The Spirit Himself, they don't hand this off to an angel, a messenger of heaven. It, that would be enough. That's more than I deserve. But that's not good enough in heaven's throne room. The Spirit Himself, the, the Holy Spirit is talking about, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children with, uh, with God. Man, I, I, I still from time to time wonder how can it be that I'm saved? And I'm not being dramatic. I really do. I look at myself and I say, and I have to, 
I think, do I need to go back and check and make sure? Because I know who I am. But yet the Spirit bears witness immediately and, and, and that we are children and children of God. How does He do that? He does it through the, His drawing, the drawing of the Spirit, His teaching, His leading, the fruits of the Spirit. We find those in Galatians chapter 5. We was going to turn, but we won't turn there. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, where He, the fruits of the Spirit that we enjoy are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You say, well, I don't always feel those, and I don't either. But you know what? When I'm in, when, when I'm obedient, when I follow the leading of the Spirit, I do enjoy those. I identify with those. I understand those. Those make sense to me. See? And, that, and that's not because I'm a good person. It's because the Spirit of God indwells me, and that's the fruit of that. And, and it's, it's, a, it's not like it's one or the other. It's a combination of all of those. It's the entirety of it is the fruit of the Spirit. Lastly, verse 17, the privileges of adoption. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, we may also be glorified with Him. I got a little bit ahead of myself. We already talked about that, uh, that joint heirs. Uh, th this adoption entitles us to enter the family as children. We, we've been in the worldly home. And they, again, I refer to Tegan. And, and man, she's got just as much a place at the table as, as Noah, uh, as, 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 ever, as Micah, as, as everybody, except me. I was the, the imposter there. I, I was allowed to have a place, but Tegan, man, she had a place. And man, she just hopped right up there and that, you know, that's her place. Why? The adoption. She, she, she received that when she was adopted. And our inheritance makes us a joint heir with Christ. But we also join in the sufferings with Christ. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that this way. We're going to talk more about that next week. And folks, i got to be honest, I struggle with that because I don't feel like I've ever suffered, really. Especially for my faith. I, I just haven't. But Paul wasn't writing to me. He was writing to the Roman Christians. We're going to talk about that. And Paul understood suffering. So we're going to cover that, I think, next week. But he also, he didn't leave it with suffering. I also get to share in the glorification. The, the glory that Christ has, I have. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks too. But the glorification of Christ. The glory that is revealed within me. Why? Not because of what I've done, but because of my adoption. I get all of that. I get all of that package. And by the way, this, the, the suffering, that's, that's not a bad thing. How, how many of you, when your family hurts, you hurt? And you want to be a part of that. And yeah, you want, to, you want to go to them. You want to share in that. If you could take it upon yourself, you would. See? That's what it's talking about, this, the suffering of Christ. You, you want to identify with that. Why? Because of that love relationship. So again, this section is all about the Spirit. The Spirit of Christ indwelling us. So next week, we're going we're gonna to continue on right where we left off. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, moving from suffering to glory. We're talking about the suffering that Paul endured and following that, God's everlasting love. All right, we're out of time. Get out of here. Thanks for coming. I love you, and I'll see you next week.